welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. Whether you're chasing bugles over the next ridge, sitting a stand out east, this is about passion, pursuing our dreams of field, our lifestyle, the betterment of self and community, the enlightenment that comes from those moments spent in God's creation. Through these conversations, I hope you find insight, inspiration, education, and motivation to push beyond your limits. All right, I'm ro- we're, we are rolling. We're only 12 minutes rolling. late. <laughs> but we're here. Yeah, so I, I greatly appreciate you jumping on with me, you know, talking to my partner, Jeffrey. And he's like, dude, check this page out. And started looking at the page, and I was like, oh, excellent. And there is a wave of sorts coming on and, and and forgive me if I if I missed it or we missed it as we're you know scrolling through but not only are you a badass on the mountain and hunting but it looks like you have taken the approach to kind of holistically over everything between the foraging and just the outdoor lifestyle in general have adopted that and I'm seeing that more and more and and primarily in the female demographic and it's pretty impressive. There is, sorry, the dogs, less, there's less men doing what you're doing. And yeah, I was like, yeah, this is going to be a badass episode. So welcome, <laughs> Drea. Uh, okay. I'm going a, I'm to a try my best. Grand Groth. Did I Close, get it? Yeah. Gr- Close. Grand Groth. Okay, yeah. cool. So welcome. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate your time. We'll do a little bit of an intro. Just, you know, tell folks who you are and what makes you tick and where you're at in the, I hate using it, I won't say industry, but in the outdoor space. And then we'll just go from there. We're just going to wing it and have a great conversation. I love it. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Guy. It's great to great to chat. I've been hearing about you guys over, I suppose, really the last year. So it's really cool to be able to come on here and connect and see where the conversation goes. But yeah, I'm sort of a an all sorts all over the all over the place right now. I I grew up in Washington State and a big family. We were hunters and gatherers, so lived off the land as much as we could growing up. And you know, when I look back at my childhood, all of the memories that I cherish are from being outside. And so it was just a way of life. You know, we, there was a lot of chores, so we grew up working really hard. Not only outside in the garden, having to rake the leaves. My dad would make us rake leaves with the, uh, with the, uh, I'm blanking here, the, the rake versus mm-hmm. the, the, the lawnmower. <laughs> yeah. Got to do it the hard way. And so, yeah, we just grew up in the West coast doing all, all the outdoor things, hunting, fishing, camping, spending all of our free time outside. And then in when was it? 2012. I moved to Colorado. I spent 10 years there. I was a whitewater raft guide for 10 summers. I worked on the ski hill for seven winters. And then that's where I started my guiding career was in Colorado and then moved to Montana uh, just over a year ago where I guided out here for a couple seasons and, and sort of establishing some new roots here and in Livingston, Montana, which has been really cool. Country's different. It's bigger. A lot of like-minded people around here and got a lot of irons in the fire with, I suppose, the hunting and outdoor industry right now and just kind of tackling that every day and, you know, a lot of moving pieces. And then what about, so you said industry, right? I mean, outside of the guiding, you have your hands in into that pretty good with your co-founder with Ridge Patrol? 
Correct. Yes. So co-founder of Rich Patrol, that is a woman-specific hunting and outdoor clothing line. And so we're about four years old. We are pretty small. My business partner, she lives in, in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, and I'm sort of the, the face. So I handle all the marketing, all the photography, all the new product that's going to be coming out from here on out is all designed by me, which has been really rewarding, really fun to be able to create clothing that actually performs, you know, being a hunting guide and just avid outdoors woman. I'm outside all the time. And so I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of what's needed and, and what's out there and what's not. And so, and then it's just really cool. You know, the sisterhood that comes Comes along along with with all of that, you know, it's a whole, it's a whole nother world. The clothing sort of just kind of brings us all together. And it's like a, I like to call it a tool that helps us to get out there and, and push further and push harder and, Hunting was like the one thing that pretty much saved my life as a kid. And so it's something that I I hold a very deep connection with. I'm sure most hunters do. And it's been such an honor to be able to share that with a lot of these ladies who are new to hunting and they wear our clothes and they want to get out there. And it, it really does bring a confidence to to these ladies as they're, whether they're elk hunting or they're just out fly fishing or, you know, they're out backcountry hiking and camping. We've got a lot of ladies that wear our gear that don't hunt, but they, they are avid outdoors women and our stuff performs well and it makes them feel good. So what, it's been really cool to see that. What in that, that takes some big ones. What, what was the epicenter, if you will, of, hey, we're starting a clothing line, right? I mean, that market, I, I, I understand it for the women's market, but it's still a huge undertaking. And there's some heavy competition in that just with, you know, names, we'll say. How do you get the gumption up to say, I'm starting a clothing line, let's roll? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my business partner, Bevan, she gets full credit for that. She was uh, with her previous partner. She got into hunting. So she didn't grow up hunting, but she has always been an avid outdoor woman. And so, you know, they would go out waterfowl hunting and turkey hunting mostly. And she just felt really uncomfortable in the clothes that she was wearing. You know, she, she felt bulky. She felt like she couldn't like move around and perform well. She didn't feel confident like going into the grocery store with her sorry, Sitka, but with her Sitka stuff on, she just, she just didn't feel good in it. And so that sort of inspired her to start up Bridge Patrol. So she gets full credit of, you know, starting up the company, designing the camo pattern. So like the camo pattern is patented. It's ours, 100%, you know, coming up with like who we are behind the brand. And she was actually looking for ladies to try on her very first prototypes. And I met her through a nonprofit in Colorado called Rocky Mountain Sportswomen, just a nonprofit to help educate women about hunting, conservation, fishing. You know, we would get out and we'd go for snowshoe hikes, go ice fishing, things like that. And she attended a few of the events. And so that's where I met her and showed up at her place, tried on her prototypes. And I was like, wow, all right, she's got, I like what she's got going here. You know, it's, it's different. And I grew up in hunting clothes that my mom made, you know, like unisex pair of pants that I had way up here and I had to roll down. Roll up the bottom. 
how to share them with everyone in the family. And then once I started my guiding career, that's when I realized the importance of having good gear that actually fits you, fits you right. And so just one thing led to the next with Ridge Patrol. So I I tried on some prototypes and was like, hey, I'm going to Arizona. I'm going to go do a deer hunt down in Arizona. I would be happy to bring these pants with and test them out for you and to to take some photos. You know, I'm also a photographer, so I can get some content for you. And then that conversation led to like, hey, I can help you with your social media. And she was like, great, because... I don't know what I'm doing with that. And I don't have time for it. And I don't really want to handle it. And so she basically just let me run with it. And I don't know, it's probably after six months or so, she asked me to come on as partner. And basically, since then, I've just been sort of running with it. And like I said, all of our products that we have now that are prototypes, I've designed all of those. And that's been a really cool process. It's There's a lot behind the scenes that people don't realize like everyone's always like when are your pants going to be available like (laughs) we love your pants and it's like i don't know i was supposed to have them two months ago (laughs) yeah because it costs a lot of money to you know to get all these products made and and so yeah like i said she gets full credit of that but now moving forward it's it's really cool we've got pro staff that's on the team and the ladies are amazing helping us with testing out product now. So it's cool to have, you know, our product in different states and in different body types and different elements and being used different ways. My friend Andrea, she's in Colorado. She also has a podcast called Just Riding Along. She was a big mountain biker. She still is, but so she was really into like the sports and then she dove into more of that big game hunting and she's been mountain lion hunting. And did I lose you? Crows. The most, you know? And so it's been cool to see that, you know, our, our, our current prototype pants has been in Arizona. It's been in Montana and they've been in Colorado now tested by three different women, three different body types, and they've performed super well. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, you said, you know, you said that the clothing didn't feel good and, and being around it so much, right. In, and talking to as many women as I have over the years with the podcast is that was, that's resounding. Like this stuff didn't, it didn't feel good on me, but there's a, there's an element of it, right. Where if you don't, if you don't feel good, if they, if that you don't feel good because of what, whatever your gear is, right. It affects your performance in the field. Right. Absolutely. And and it's funny to see, it's not funny, but it's funny to see the whole in the industry, in the, the female demographic, understanding that everything that is built for men is not just built for performance. It's built. So you feel good, right? We're, we're selecting camel patterns that are, are, you know, aesthetically hits with us, right? Visually it's a hit with us. So that whole Mm -hmm. the woman's market, I never understood it. And then trying to get my wife into gear. Right. And it's like the fits are so strange. Right. It's like they said, oh, we're just going to shrink it down. And you could totally tell it's it's a man's cut, but mm-hmm. they're making a woman's size. And it's like, well, there's there's all these differences in hips and, you know, up top with, you know, breast. And and it's like, OK, it's a straight shirt. Like it doesn't make any flipping sense to me that there's that okay. hole. So it's so cool to see that. And I always look at it from you know, my female friends as hunters, what they have to go through and then, you know, bringing my wife in the field and having her put something on and she's the entire time uncomfortable. 
It's like, damn, mm-hmm. and, and I can't relate to it because I have this stuff that they spent thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in R&D on. So I think that's super cool that you guys are, you know, tackling that realm. And there's been over the last, what, four or five years, there's been a couple of, of female specific brands that have come to market. And it's been really nice to see that. Yeah, there's there's quite the competition out there for, you know, they they say a woman hunter is the largest growing demographic, but when you when you look at all the all the hunters, right? Right. And then you bring it down to women, it's still it's still pretty small and it's pretty saturated. Mm-hmm. But I do believe it's gonna continue to keep growing. Agreed. And we're here. Yeah. We're here to to face it head on and we're in it for the long haul. Yeah. What do you think has has really pushed the growth in in that piece of the demographic? Like what what are you seeing or what are you experiencing and hearing that has really spawned that growth? You know, a lot of it is the the mental health aspects to getting out there. And there's so many women organizations, nonprofits, things that are going on. So there's a lot of really great resources for these ladies who maybe they didn't grow up hunting or you know, they have a partner who hunts, but they feel intimidated to get out and go to the guys hunting shack, you know, to, to go to hunting camp. And so I believe just these ladies that have grown up doing it and they have authentically shared their experience. So like, I love talking about mental health aspects of it. That's a big part of my book. And that's sort of a common denominator I have seen through some of the, like the women's clinics I've led through some of the women's hunts I've been on and just talking with other ladies is the connection that's out there when, when you're hunting with other ladies, it's, it's not like a sexist thing, right? It's brain, men's brains are wired different than females brains are. And so for example, like a women's ridge patrol hunt we did a couple years ago, like when we're hiking out and it's dark and it was raining and it was slippery. There was a lot of like, Hey, careful that rocks loose. So, Hey, how's everyone doing that? We're always checking in with each other. And it always kind of comes back to that supportive space of, of the sisterhood out there along with the added benefits of that nature gives you where you're able to sort of just like let go. You're able to challenge yourself. That's been Another big thing is seeing these ladies challenged physically, mentally, like emotionally. It's not like it is on on the TV. You know, it's hard work to have to carry your bow and a pack up and over ridge lines through deadfall, crossing creeks, and it challenges them. But each time they come out, being like, "Ah, I did that. I, I did that, and that feels good. And now I can take this home, and I can." utilize this as a tool in like everyday life, whether it's my relationships, my career, you know, my overall like just mental health and, and life. So that's been very, very common in a lot of these experiences that I've shared. Yeah. It's funny that, that it's taken so long for, for us to reach the point where we're looking at it on a mind and body fit, if you will, or spiritual level, right? Because that, for me, like you said, hunting saved your life. Like I, I, I live that, right? So, so to see it take so long, and and even now, like it, you know, with with a lot of men won't even talk about that stuff, right? And it's like I know you're out there experiencing that, right? You're experiencing mm-hmm. things that the other 
85% of our population will never get to experience. And yeah, you can go out and hike and you can go out and fly fish. There's something about putting yourself in that circle of life, right? <laughs> and and being on the mountain that's different than all those. But to <laughs> but to hold the I'll call it what I think it is to hold the spiritual aspect of it back. Right. And that self in better betterment and empowerment. It just doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. Like, it's like, well, why, why are we so far behind that curve? And I don't, I don't see like, there's a lot of like machismo involved in it. There's some, but a, a lot of it is like, we just won't say it. And and the, when I, when I talk to female hunters, it's, it is one of the main focuses of the conversation. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it, <laughs> right? Because it's so easy for me to talk about it in that respect because there's it's so beneficial. Like it's my, when September hits, that is my yearly like reset, right? Exactly. It, it, Check it, in. It, yeah. It's like, boom, that I don't, I don't need another vacation, right? Unless the wife wants to, but I don't need another vacation. I don't need any other time off from anything away from anything. You give me September and clarity until eh, late June, July. <laughs> and it starts to get, you start to get the bug and it's like, give it, give it, give it, give it. But yeah, yeah it's just really weird how yes. we've shied away from that as a demographic, you know, at large, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. But it's really awesome to see, to see it coming back and see it you know, it's, it's talked about more, it's more accepted, you know, it's, is it? uh, it's, yeah. Is it? I mean, I think it is. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I guess I say that because you look, uh, you look around us and you look at all the opposition in it and, and what we're fighting on a daily basis in more and more places. It's hard to believe that it's more accepted. Right. And then you look at, you know, growth numbers per se. And I don't know that they really reflect acceptance, more acceptance, I guess, you know, maybe less people shy away from it, but does that, you know, shy away from hating on it, but does that mean acceptance? I'm trying to figure that one out still. Like, where do we stand as a demographic, right? Our overall numbers, are they actually growing across the board, you know, hit or miss on those numbers and how they're presented? But yeah, that's a, that's a rough one to figure out. I'm I'm happy to see more women involved in it, though. I think it's something that's that's absolutely necessary, especially if you look at family households and how much of an impact it's going to have on, you know, here's cliche, on the next generation of hunters. Because if mom's involved or if, you know, auntie's involved or the older sister's involved, the more likely the next generation is to be involved, especially if mom's going out into the field, right? And it's really, that's where I see the sustaining numbers coming from is the entire family in the field together. And then if you look at where we're at mental health wise, what kids are looking at 95% of the time, like you get their interest in hunting early and and the outdoors early, there's going to be so much more well-rounded, just better. Right. And I'm not crapping on anybody that doesn't take their kids out in the outdoors, but I think they're going to be better, more well-rounded adults because of those experiences early on. So I think it's oh, absolutely. absolutely bitching to have females out there, especially promoting it positively with, yeah, you know, nice camo on and not necessarily yeah. boob shots everywhere. Yeah, we don't we don't need that. <laughs> it's not it's not a, a representation of who we are. <laughs> yeah. So so you, okay, so you brought it up and I kind of glanced over it. So you said hunting saved your life. 
totally interested in that conversation and to hear that story and, and what that means. Okay. And buckle up, I, I suppose. Go. Yeah. So, so hunting saved my life. So I grew up in a large family. There was, there was 14 of us, nine brothers, four sisters. Like I said, we were hunters, we were gatherers. So a lot of my early on experience from hunting and fishing came from my brothers and from my dad. And they were essential people in my life that taught me those basic skills when I was young, you know, and I, I took any chance I could to, to get out in, in the woods with them or go down to the river and fish. But when I was roughly like 10, 11, 12 years old, I was sexually abused by my brother. And I also grew up in a fundamentalist cult. So the religion my family still practices, it's called Lestadian Lutheran Christianity, where it was very sheltered. Like my life consisted of going to church, going to school, hanging out with people in that church. We couldn't play sports. There was no prom. There was no television in the home, no altering of your appearance in any way, no drinking, no TV, no music with a beat. Like you lived every day to try and get to heaven and like, right. And so very sheltered. I, so like after my brother sexually abused me, it was just kind of one of those things where it was like, oh, God forgives him. Oh, God forgives me. Like everything's going to be okay. Cause that's what they told us all the time at church. And that's like, basically we lived in fear all the time of having a, a dirty conscience is what they call like sinning. And to top it off, I also was a victim. So there was a lot of shame. There was all of those other side effects that you experience, especially as a young girl. And so I didn't tell anyone for 15 years. I didn't tell a single soul for 15 years. And I carried that weight. But the one thing that saved my life was wild places. So I was always living in fight, flight, or freeze mentality. Pretty much every night growing up, I had nightmares of like somebody trying to attack me. And so like my body was always telling me like, hey, like you've got some stuff you've got to work out, you know, work, work through. And I had no regulation of my emotions. So for example, like my sister, she's an old, a year older than me. Her friend would come over and they wouldn't let me play with them. And they would like run and hide. And I would just get like so frustrated and I would run away from home. I would run to the forest behind the house and I had my few little secret spots that I would go hide where nobody knew where I was. And I would just sit there and pretty soon I felt calm, like, you know, cause my heart rate was going and I would sit there and I would just like, I almost could like feel the vibrations of the earth. It really calmed me down. The I saw animals all the time and they would, you know, the deer would come walking by and you know, I didn't know it like as a kid that, you know, nature is powerful. It's going to humble you real quick, but you know, and, and you're nobody out there. Like it doesn't care if, if, if you can survive a night in the woods or not, but it was also a very safe place. And so I knew that that, that made me feel good. And so as soon as I turned 12 years old, I took hunter safety and that was like freshly, freshly coming off my trauma. And so I would, I started hunting solo when I was 12 years old behind the house. I would just grab the shotgun or the muzzleloader and I would just go cruise around behind the house after school because I knew it made me feel good. And it taught me confidence. Like I had really very little confidence as a teenager. 
And, you know, it was always just like on edge, watching my back everywhere I went. Like when I was out in the forest or down by the creek below the house, I just felt free. I felt safe. I felt connected to something like so much bigger. And, you know, fast forward 15 years later, decided to leave the fundamentalist cult. All these suppressed memories start coming up. And I'm just like, wow, this is what happens when you suppress trauma for 15 years and started doing a ton of solo hunting in Colorado. And that's really where I sort of started to find myself. And so for for three years, I would take the entire month of September off. Uh, I would work hard all summer (laughs) as as a whitewater raft guide. I had a couple other jobs and I, I worked my summer's way and I saved up so I could take the entire month of September and just go. And it was my time to, like you said, get clarity and reset. But most importantly, it taught me so much about it healed a lot of a lot of trauma and it taught me confidence. It taught me like how to how to learn something on my own and like take initiative and to to go after it and you know being out in the high country all by yourself for multiple days, like there's so many challenges you face and you're humbled real quickly, but you're also like super proud of everything that you've done and and yeah, and then I did I had a successful mule deer. It was my very first mule deer successful hunt in Colorado. And I went out and I shot this really great buck. The stories in my book, if any of you guys listening have read my autobiography, What's Her Wild? An Untold Story. This is sort of a pivotal moment in my life where I was like, all right, I want to be a hunting guide. Like I know what I'm doing. I want to be able to share these experiences with other people like this stuff is important this stuff needs to be talked about so went out on this hunt shot a great buck first thing you know the sun was coming up and there was just a little bit of snow everywhere so everything's like pink and orange and but it was cold it was like 15 degrees out and I remember walking up to my buck and was just like you've done this all by yourself and dad's not here to help you or one of your siblings isn't here to help you and you've done this many times, you're, you'll be fine. Just tackle it. And I tackled it. It was no big deal. And, you know, I was pretty new to like the solo onion and I was like paranoid of bears. And I'm like, I'm going to pack this all out in one trip because I don't want any bears to come claim the gut <laughs> Yeah. When I get back, I'm sure they're all in hibernation. This was like beginning of November, but. So you're so, in what, second, I, second rifle-ish? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Second or third. And but I think it was more so like a testament of I was trying to prove something to myself. So I threw the entire deer, I deboned the two hind quarters and then kept the two front quarters on the bone, threw it in my pack, grabbed the the rifle and hightailed it out of there. And that was like, I remember every single detail about that rolling pack out the two and a half miles back to the truck of just like hundred yards at a time you've caught the stray, you know, like literally talking out loud, telling, you know, like screw your brother, you know, and like letting go of all this right. stuff and being like, you are capable of whatever you want to do. It was just, just a super empowering experience for me to be able to go out there and do that. And then that's when I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to try and become a hunting guide. because awesome. I think I know what I, I think I know what I'm doing. And like I said, like more people, more people need to experience these moments of 
the challenges, the healing powers, you know, just the many benefits that come with, with being out there, whether or not you feel your tag or not. Heck yeah. So you, you said, screw your brother. And, and I get that. Right. But at what point did you forgive yourself? Not that you had something to forgive, right? But there, there's whether it's because you didn't deal with it or when did you say, Dre, it's okay? Was it was that a time on the mountain? Was that during that trip or? It wasn't during that trip. It was, it was, I think it was two years after that September, archery hunting all by myself, and just like reached this like super low point because I was trying. And I was on like, I don't know, day 22 and just like exhausted. My sister, there's not many people mm-hmm. to cut you off. Sorry. There's not many people that can survive seven days by themselves. So to hear that there's someone else doing 22 plus days on the mountain. Love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> love it. And I know yeah. what it brings. <laughs> yeah. And so I had prior to this, I had adopted this ritual that I do if there's baggage that I need to get rid of. And so, for example, I'll I'll write it down on a piece of paper. I'll throw it in my pack and grab a lighter and I'll go do some grueling hike somewhere and I'll I'll get to a beautiful spot with a a great view and I'll burn it and I'll just be like, all right, it's time to just leave it on the mountain. Yeah. And so that was my experience. You know, I was just battling with a lot of shame, you know, and a lot of like, you could have told someone, Drea, like you wouldn't be dealing with all of this baggage, like, right. So a lot of that happened over time, but I remember just having that one, one specific moment of like the mountain had broke me down and I was like, you know what? It's telling me something and this is how I'm going to respond to it and left it out there. You know, it, it's, and I, and I talk about this frequently, right. And, and leaving my baggage. And I always say that, right. When I come off the mountain, I know that October one, when I walk back in the door, that I'm a better husband, father, you know, in every aspect, right. It just, it, it cleanses the living piss out of you because you leave that baggage. You're able to deal with that baggage and the humility for me, right. That, that, that struggle always offers that level of humility and it really makes me reflect on my insecurities or my shortcoming, what I feel like my shortcomings are. But you realize like in the big scheme of things, like you're this big and it's like, wow, why am I dragging that through my day to day? Like, why is that such a big deal for me? And people don't really get it. But when you're out there by yourself and those conversations that you have with yourself with your creator whatever that looks like it is a it is you can you can't i can't almost describe it right mm-hmm. but you're you're sitting in a place that you put boots to and you are experiencing that place like no one else will ever experience and that enlightenment and clarity in that is is second to none i've never i've done a lot of shit in my day you name it, I've tried it, right? And I have never found anything to offer as much as hunting offers us, especially on those an, solo trips. It's such an intimate experience yeah. that, like you said, if you you can't really describe it fully to a person because it's almost like we can't even comprehend it ourselves. Right. And that's part of what makes it so powerful. And 
I tell you what, I've had some really amazing life-changing experiences with some of my clients on the mountain. Mm-hmm. They show up and they are so excited for their hunt. But I tell you what, by day four or day five, you know, they are also broken down and they all have a story and they all have have something, but it's always that common denominator, right? It doesn't matter who you are, if you're a trophy hunter, if you're someone who loves to go to the backcountry, if you go and sit in a tree stand, we all have this common denominator of and it just sure feels good to be outside. Yeah. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. so easy to lose it if 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 you allow yourself to lose it. Because I know folks that'll go on the mountain and they're cantankerous going up. They're cantankerous on the mountain and coming down. It's the same SOB. And it's like, man, you are missing so much of what this mm-hmm. offers, you know, by not just right. letting go of it. Yeah. You know, and it and it's easier too. I mean, for me at least, I can go up and and say, I want to be specific about an animal, right? I, you know, I want a 340 inch bull, herd bull, right? And I can chase that herd bull and go through all that and not kill that herd bull. And with the clarity that season has provided me, I'm okay with walking off the mountain, getting my butt kicked. Yeah. There's some frustration and some, you know, spitting and cussing with it, but the benefits of what I'm doing while I'm out there chasing that animal far outweighs just notching my tag on a rack. You know, it's like, I would rather have that humility and my ass kicked for, you know, 28 days than walk in on day two and kill the first rag that comes into the cow chirp. You know, it just, exactly. it's so next level. So, so next level. I actually want to share a story on that. So I had a client this last year and I obviously won't use any names or where he's from, but a lawyer and you know, he's a pretty wealthy man. And, you know, I tell you what, I wouldn't want to go against him in a courtroom. That's for sure. <laughs> but, you know, he sort of showed up to camp pretty cocky, you know, didn't want to shoot 200 yards because he's got a 300 PRC and he shoots all the time. And, you know, he goes to all these, these ranches and he, he pays these fees to be able to harvest, you know, 400 mm-hmm. inch bulls off of these ranches. Well, mind you, when he's at these ranches, he's driving around in like the side by side and shooting them at 300 yards no big deal throw him you know use the winch put him in the back take him out hole but you know he's that guy in the full full setup of the most expensive gear and shooting these big big bulls so shows up to the outfitter there and you know tells me pretty pretty much instantly that i'm looking for a mature mule deer and i'm looking for a, a good bull at probably close to 400 inches and then he goes to show me pictures of you know, the elk him and his son had killed and the mule deer that he had already killed and all these other monster trophies that they killed at a ranch somewhere where they paid a good fat check to to drive in and shoot it. Not much uh, physical exertion happening there. And I'm like, this is going to be, this is going to be a fun week. <laughs> I, <laughs> yep. It's about probably about 10 a.m. tomorrow. On first day of hunt, this guy's going to be eating humble pie so quick that he'll probably shoot anything that walks by. Sure enough, no joke. We were maybe two miles up the mountain. And, you know, it was a slow grade. So it was probably, I think we were at like 1,400 feet of elevation gain. But we went slow. We went up one mile and we sat in this area for, you know, the first hour of light, did some glassing. It was kind of a a travel route for for the elk and the deer. And I was like, all right, let's just, we're going to move up another half a mile, maybe three fourths of the mile up the mountain. 
and we're going to sit there and we're going to hang out and it's another great spot. And, you know, I glassed up a, a bull and several cows the night before. So I knew the elk were in there and he's doing great. He was on my deal the whole time. Not a very chatty guy. And I was like, that's all right. You know, we don't always have to be chatty out here. Don't always have to connect them on that, but give them a good experience, Drea. So we get to the second spot and instantly, as soon as we sit down, it's so how long are we going to sit here? Like, well, I was thinking, you know, probably till 11, if you want, we can actually go just a little bit further to another spot. That's a really good area. And, you know, it's not too much further. We don't have much more elevation gain. We've pretty much gained all of our elevation or, you know, we can sit here. How are you feeling? He's like, well, I'm not going any further. All right. We'll sit here all day long. You know, we're in a good spot. And he goes over, he lays down, passes out, goes to sleep. Like, oh, fun. Okay. So I'm just sitting here, you know, tending the fire. It's cold out and keeping my eye out, glassing. And so he wakes up and he's kind of moving around. And I'm like, so tell me about your kids. You know, do they play sports and this and that? And so is this the, the awkward moment, Drea, where we have to like get to know each other? No way. <laughs> this guy is a gem. Like, <laughs> okay. All right. I was like, well, you know, I'm just trying to have some mountainside conversation, but it's all good. We don't have to chat. And so... I kind of walk off and I'm doing a little recon down the hill and I, I come grab him. I'm like, Hey, I found a little bit of a better spot. Like I knew he was a good shot and he could shoot pretty far. And so we actually moved down the mountain to a, a spot where we can see more area. And it was a little bit further back, about a hundred yards. And I'm like, we're actually just going to sit up here for the day. Falls back. So I'm sitting there and I see some mule deer come out, a couple does. So I wake him up. I'm like, Hey, there's some deer. Yeah, let's, keep our eye, maybe get by your gun just in case a buck comes out. And, you know, the rut had just sort of kicked off in Montana. So it wasn't super ready yet, but you never know. And he's at his, he's, he's ready. He's prone. And he looks back at me and he's like, there's a buck. He's like, all right. You want to shoot? He's like, can I shoot it? And I was like, yeah. Mind you, in, my, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, you know, he told me he's only going after a mature buck. And he like was pretty solid on that. So I didn't actually see the buck, but I was like, well, it's probably a big one. And he shoots it. And we walk up on it and it's a two by three. <laughs> a little 18 inch dink. <laughs> <laughs> and I just had a good old, just like a good laugh. I was like, this is hilarious. The mountain will humble them so fast that they will all of a sudden they want Anybody. You know, you know, they've been wanting, they'll take anything yeah. with horns on it because they don't want to have to hike back up that mountain again tomorrow versus, you know, I had another client this last year. He was awesome. He's like, let's put in the miles. Let's see as much country as we could. And he was able to harvest a really nice buck and a real nice bull because he put in the work. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it doesn't take much to break a person down. No, and it's, you know, it's it's their experience, right? But it's disappointing yeah. when I see it because it's like, man, you're, you're just missing. You're missing all the benefits. So for, I don't know, a few years, I hunted Catalina Island off California, right? And and Catalina is pretty much, it's a, you got to go through the guide service. It's a guided road hunt, if you will. Mm -hmm. And a business associate of mine 
had been going there for years. And and Dennis is, you know, he's a great hunter, but that was his hunting experience, right? Is the same thing, ranches and whatnot. And I think it was maybe the second or third year. And Catalina is, it's nasty terrain. I mean, elevation gain, highest peak on the, on the island is 2,500 feet, right? Above sea level. It's pretty substantial when you're talking about, you're looking down at the shoreline mm-hmm. and cactus, steep, deep, nasty stuff. And he had never packed out an animal. And I'm like, dude, you're packing out a buck if you shoot it and he's looking at me he's like why do i want to do that i'm like you got it you got to do it so you know we get we we see this buck and you know he's a point guy right because a lot of those guys are and and dennis you know no offense to anybody that that hunts that way that's your shtick and i just wanted him to experience it right like hey you gotta experience this and he shoots this buck dre i kid you not it was, I looked at it after he shot it and I'm like, dude, I'll see you in a little bit. Here's my pack. <laughs> I want to go <laughs> down there. <laughs> I did not want to go down with him. And yeah. he goes and he, you know, we, we core this animal out and he, you know, puts two quarters on his back and the other two get on the guide's back and we hike out of there. And I mean, he's getting his butt kicked and he's, I mean, he is struggling to get up this hill, right? And he does it and he gets to the top and we get to the truck, we pull the pack off, and he looks at me, and he goes, thanks. And I goes like, yeah, no worries, man. He goes, no. I'm thinking he's telling me thanks for helping to take the pack off. He goes, I'm glad you made me do that. He goes, I had no idea. Yeah. He goes, I've watched this for years. I've watched these guys carry my animal out, and I never even thought to put it on my back. He goes, I get it now. You know, so I'm trying to get him out here to to do a public land hunt. I don't know if he'll ever do that, but... You know, we're going mm-hmm. across to the island on his yacht. <laughs> that you know what I mean. So it's like I get it, and and you know it. It's an experience, right? It's not for everybody, but I, I, my point is, is I feel bad when because you see that, and it's like, man, you are missing it. Like you are missing <laughs> the point of this, in my opinion. You know, and then nothing mm-hmm. wrong with guys that are out there for trophies and a ton of points and with on and mass, but you're missing it, boys. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's a trip and it will break them off. I mean, he, you know, maybe 1500 foot of elevation in, I don't know, just about a quarter mile, something like that. I mean, steep, steep, deep, deep. And to see, to see the light come on after that, I was like, okay, I'm good. Like I never have to see you carry another animal out if you're paying for it, but I'm glad you did it. I am glad you did it. So Talk about the book a little bit, and I'm sure we've had, we've heard points of the book, but I'd love to hear a little bit about that and what inspired you. Like, what was the reason behind that? Want to rep the outdoor lifestyle off the mountain? Pack Em Out Apparel, the clothing line that's more than just trophies and filling freezers. At Pack Em Out, they believe in making memories that last a lifetime. Whether you're packing out a bull or preparing for a family adventure. A lifestyle brand that understands the importance of family, faith, and friends. Every time we head out, it's about creating cherished memories. At Pack Em Out Apparel, the brand stands for honor, integrity, and a genuine passion for the wild. Check them out at packemout.com. Sure. So my book's an autobiography. So it's from day one when I was born up till now. I've had nothing but great uh, feedback from it, which is really, really awesome. It feels really, really good for people to... A lot of people who don't read have sat down and been like, wow, like I cruised right through your book. So it's a really easy read. It's like coming from a story perspective. And so I tell my story of, you know, growing up in the countryside of Washington, where it's just very like 
paradise, very black, you know, stories from fishing and hunting with my dad at a very young age, you know, and then I jump into the nitty gritty of like, you know, the religion part and the sexual abuse part going into like, like I was talking about earlier, running and hiding in the ferns and having that realization as a young girl that like being outside makes me feel good. And, you know, go through high school, talk about my time as a raft guide for 10 summers and, you know, being down in the Grand Canyon. That's another place where I also forgave myself a little bit was on the Grand Canyon, rowing a raft for 14 days down there through the biggest water I have ever rowed a boat on and just being so isolated from everything. Very, very magical place down there. And, you know, and so this story just kind of goes through my life and like, you know, realizing you know, this religion's not for me realizing like, well, I've got a lifetime of trauma that I need to work on and like really jumping into some of my stories of healing and some of the different therapy I've done. And, you know, talking about the party lifestyle I used to have where I was finding validation in all the wrong places, you know, stuff that was only making me more depressed and suppressing all of my issues to like, finding a more holistic, healthy, natural way to, to heal and utilizing those tools. Talked about the train to hunt race that I did a few years back. That was like a, a big one. I, I trained in like a half marathon. So I talk a lot about just like pushing our bodies and how that is also another tool to not only heal, but just become better people. And I find a lot of clarity myself and confidence when I am constantly physically pushing myself. And at that time in my life, I needed it. Like I was broken down to the bare minimum of like so insecure, no confidence, just like had nothing good to say about myself. So it felt good to be able to go out and like compete in these different races and and do really well because I was so fueled the whole time, sort of with like my life story. And talk about guiding and the different, you know, a lot of good stories in there from from being a guide and some of those really special experiences that I've had with my clients, with my family and friends, and on some of those solo expeditions as well. And so it's it's a good read. It's pretty quick. And you know, I I had this moment when I first started my healing journey, and I was. It's like so confident out of nowhere. I felt so good. And I was telling, I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to tell everyone about my story. Like I've held this in for 15 years and I need people to know like, this is who I am. And like, you know, if you've struggled with it, like I'm here for you. And the more I talked about it, the more people I found out, like I know way too many people that have suffered abuse, whether it's physical, emotional, verbal, sexual abuse, but the more I told my story, the more I started realizing that this is happening everywhere around us. And I was guiding in Colorado for a company. And I had previously, there was an article written about me in the Colorado Hunter magazine. And this is sort of when like Ridge Patrol all started launching. And I was in the the newspaper, the Glenwood Springs newspaper of Colorado, and then was able to get put into the magazine. And the magazine was up at hunting camp and one of the clients was looking at it. He like came running up to me the first night in camp and was like holding it to his chest. And it was like, Drea, do you have another copy of this? Like, I want to take this home to my wife. And I was like, yeah, you're all good. You know, you can have it. Like I'll, I'll find another one. 
thank you so much. Just so, so grateful. And then he kind of just like walked away and I was like, all right, I'll let that unfold. I'm not going to like force him to tell me his story, but there's something deeper behind that. And the next day I actually had to drive him out to his, his stand. So a lot of the hunting at that ranch is, you know, you sit in ground blinds and they come out of the sage or the uh, scrub oak and aspen to the meadows to feed. And so I drove him out one morning and, you know, the typical conversation on the first day out to, to blind is like, so how long have you been a guide? Did right. you grow up hunting? Like what's your, you know, but he instantly got straight to it. He's like, all right, Drea, like I'm going to say some things. And if I cross the line or if I make you feel uncomfortable, just, just tell me to shut up. You know, he's like, but I need to tell you this. I was like, okay, yeah, what's up? And he was like, I am so proud of you for being so vulnerable and sharing your story on a platform for pretty much the entire world to to see. see. And that, that you are wanting to bring awareness to this and that, you know, that you're taking the plunge because it's so hard. And I was like, yeah, thanks, man. Like, I feel like that's sort of my calling. Like it, it happens everywhere. And he's like, yeah, I know. And I was like, oh, and he's like, my two sons were molested when they were young by their babysitter. And my two boys now, like one of them has healed and he lives a really happy and healthy life, you know, but my other son, you know, he's got depression, he's not doing good and he's having a really hard time healing from this trauma. And he's like, so to, to meet you and to come out here and, and hear your story is really impactful for me as a father And I'm going to take this magazine home and I'm going to share it with my kids and I'm going to share it with my wife. And I was just like, wow. Right. As I, as I get his time, Drea, it's, it's time to write this book. Cause I had attempted a couple of times before and I, the laptop crashed. Right. And I lost, lost everything that I had worked on. This was probably five years prior to now. And, and then another time, you know, I attempted to write my book by hand in a journal. And I lost the journal and a move. And I was like, okay, I'm not coming from the right perspective. I'm coming from a place of resentment. I'm coming from a place of anger. This is not how I want to tell this story. I'm just going to take a break from writing. And when the time is right, I'll know. And the opportunity basically presented itself. And I was like, it's time to it's do time it. To do so it. I lived yeah. I I lived off grid for that winter and wrote my book. So everything, pretty much everything leading up to like that spring, that year of my life unfolded effortlessly, just like as I sat in this this cabin with no running water and a wood stove and my dog and just for hours each day, just sort of let it all out. And yeah, it was very, very therapeutic, that very was- like free, very freeing, but it was so natural. Like it, it just happened. And it was just like, you know, I'm, I'm at like peace with a lot of these things. Like and I've learned and this is who I am now. And I'm ready to tell my story and to share it with the world and not feel like I need to hold back from any certain parts. Of- yeah, I'm, I got to imagine, right, and, and not experiencing that, but I got to imagine that that trigger was I can actually help someone get through this, right? Because you look at you look at someone, you go, OK, you're not 78 years old and, you know did X, Y, and Z. Like what makes a person write an autobiography 
outside of the ability to serve someone else and help someone through that, you know, trauma, whatever that is. So that's, I mean, that speaks volumes, not even knowing you outside of this conversation and a few DMs about the type of person you are, right? And I just want to offer some clarity, like, well, why would, you know, why would this lady write an autobiography? Like, who the hell is she? <laughs> but there's a lot to be said about, you know, wanting to serve other people and and having that benefit them. And there's a portion of your healing that goes along with that. Right. So yeah, right. good on you for that. That's awesome. Yeah, and to see you. it it's firsthand, good. did you ever get a follow-up from them or anything? Did you ever hear from them after that? No, I never did. And I think about it a lot, you know, and but yeah, nothing, but I have gotten a lot of really good feedback from like people have reached out to me and this is also the beauty of social media, right? Is it is what it is. Like there's no turning back technology that's running the world. And the amount of people who have reached out to me that have confided in me who have not confided in anyone, but yet they, they know they have a safe space with me because I've been through it and I've told my story. And so it's been a whole whirlwind of emotions and, but I always told myself if I could inspire one person through this book, then it's a success. Like, I don't care if it becomes a bestseller. I don't care if I make any money off of it. And I've done that. And so very, very happy with it. Yeah. Especially if you can stop someone else from, for holding it in for 15 years. Right. And, and not having to deal with that much of, you know, holding that back and and not beginning to heal. That's, that's awesome. That is freaking awesome. Powerful stuff. Yeah, that's badass. So, I mean, not that that is, that was very moving, uh, but I don't want to down us too much. It has me in my feels a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) It always has to go back up somewhere else. (laughs) So, so, you know, how we, we started talking about it, but when we look at, you know, the, the female demographic, the women demographic in hunting, how, how do you feel like you've been an impact, right? I mean, being a generational hunter, if you will, right? Versus now what we're seeing is kind of that, I hate using the onset hunter thing. It sounds like a plague, the scourge of the earth. With with people coming into the fold, how do you bridge that gap with where you are and then bring, you know, women that are interested in it, in, in all aspects of it, especially the solo realm. You need to talk to Whitney Trammell over at Wild Strength Podcast too. Okay. I think you guys would have a phenomenal conversation. I'll, I'll, yeah, she's amazing. And, and she's another, she's another go-getter on the mountain, solo hunting and had a, cool. yeah, amazing. So how do you bridge that gap, right? What do you, what do you tell, you know, women that are looking to get into it or that are interested in it, but have those holdbacks that we see in the, in the community? Usually the the first thing I always say is it's a learning experience. Like no matter how experienced of a hunter you are, nature is going to do its thing and you're always going to, you're always going to fail. So just, you know, go, go into this, this new venture as open-minded knowing there's going to be a lot of failure and it's probably going to be really frustrating, but it's all, you're going to, that's how you grow as a human. That's how you're going to grow as a hunter. And I always encourage them to, you know, get in on any of these women's hunts or events that they can, because it is a different, like I was talking about earlier, it does offer a different energy, a different space to, to learn um, like-minded women 
doing that. But a lot of people are, a lot of these ladies are so intimidated, right? Cause it's like, how do you spend all these days out there by yourself? Like what gear do I get this and that? Just start small, you know, go out there, do, do a morning hunt on your own somewhere. See how that feels, you know, or middle of the day, you know, go sit on a water hole, something that's, you don't have to have a lot of skill. You know, you're not navigating the back country for days and days, like start small and take take that confidence that you find and like those small wins of like, Oh, that felt cool. Like I hiked out in the dark to that spot and I maybe only hiked a mile, but I sat there and I saw the birds and I saw a doe come in, you know, start small and really focus on, yeah, your failures, but also like the bigger picture of the experience. I think it teaches you something about accepting those failures too. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you're, if you're, half-assed in, if you will, you're not going to see those, right? So then you're not going to grow. Like, you know, a lot of people don't want to go out on the mountain and fail, you know? And, and I, mm-hmm. I know people that have gotten in into hunting and is like, oh man, I can't do this. Like I'm getting my butt kicked and I'm like, no, you got to keep going. That's the point of it, right? The point is, mm-hmm. is that, right? You don't realize it right now, but if you walk away from it, like you'll never see it, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. look, your look on failure on the mountain plus your day to day, it's going to change. Like it's going to be, it's easier to accept those moments and it's going to redefine what failure is. It, it, at least for me, it has, right? And oh, it's, it sucks to, to see people not realize that, right? And they hear failure or you're going to fail, right? It, you absolutely are going to fail, but it will redefine what that means to you. Mm-hmm. And you learn so much about yourself oh in those, those moments of failure. Yeah, yeah, there's it, it's just second to none. I mean, it really, really, really is second to none. The value of, and we, we're talking about it, but but, and I want the the female listeners to get it right. The value of hard work. So there, you said you know a lot of women are intimidated, right? It by, be it by my, my wife, one like, babe, we're gonna climb that, and I'm like, yeah, we're absolutely gonna climb that, right? Talk about what that means to you. And, and however you want, right? The value of hard work that the mountain exposes us to and those those trophies that are on the top of that. Mm-hmm. It, I feel like it just directs so much towards life. Like, like Miley Cyrus sings the song. It's all about the climb, you know? So a lot of times when I'm just dealing with heavy stuff, I throw some weight in my pack. This is like my favorite way to knock it out of the park and to like go get a good therapy session in is to just throw weight in the pack and intentionally set a goal of like, I'm going to get up there. I don't care how long it takes me, but I'm going to do it. And I'm going to enjoy the process along the way. So if I need to have stop and have a snack break and just like take in the views for a moment, maybe, you know, do a little meditation or whatever, like fine. Or, but I'm, I'm making a goal to, to get there. And, you know, you, you go, you go through so many different arguments with yourself of like, I didn't have enough food. I I don't have enough energy today. Like I should have had a bigger breakfast. And then it's like, no, just keep going. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Just keep going. Like you're always battling these voices in your head, trying to tell you to, to, you know, acquiesce to easy. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, and that will make or break a person. Like some people won't be able to do it, but the people that can tap into that, that mental strength of, of pushing themselves, 
you get up to the top or you get back to the truck when you're done. And it's like, I can now take this and use it in life. Like, you know, I've been, so like right now I'm trying to also find a job that like pays money. Like my small businesses, I'm not getting made, but I want to, I'm not getting paid, but I would, you know, I want to stay in the onion industry. So like applying for all these jobs, but keep getting rejected. And I could totally just be like, screw it. I'm going to go get an office job somewhere and work Monday through Friday and be miserable, you know, but I can probably get health insurance and all these things. Or I can use that as like fuel to the fire to, you know, just keep pushing forward, however that looks. And it's the same way on the mountain as it is in the life. And, you know, sometimes it's not necessarily the view up top, but it's like what you've worked through to get to that. Like you said, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and who you are at the end of it, just like you were saying, like at October 1st, you're a different man than you are September 1st. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. My wife has confirmed that for years now. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, not that she's happy that I'm gone, but she knows what it offers me personally. And, and she'll right. tell me, she's like, yeah, I love it when you come back, you know, and it's not okay. just I'm back. And that, that is, mm-hmm. that is an amazing feeling, right? To be able mm-hmm. to be better, not for my, just for myself, but for my loved ones too. It's just awesome. So when you talk about, right. when you talk about, you know, being out there, do you ever find yourself in those moments of, of just going where you look at a mountain and you have no reason to go there, you know, the animals over there and you look up at that Ridge and you go, I got to go do that. Cause I'll screw yeah. myself out of two days, look up and I'm like, <laughs> just for no other reason outside of wanting uh-huh. to do it, I'll, uh-huh. I'll steer off two miles just to climb that Ridge, just to say I was there. Yeah. And that I love yeah. that. Right. Cause it opens up new ground for you. And sometimes it screws mm-hmm. your hunt up a little bit. <laughs> But there's nothing, yeah. there's nothing like going, wow, I sh-, you know, that, that 60 foot tree looks like it's two inches tall and you make it to the top mm-hmm. of that. And it was all so worth it. Yeah. I always love getting my boots on, on ground that I've never walked before. Like I always feel like it's such like, what's around this? What's up on this bench? Mm-hmm. What's around this <laughs> side of the ridge? Ooh, what's, if I just get right up to the top, like what's on the other side? Let's just go look. Yeah. yeah and yeah. One thing I've also learned in in most pretty much the guiding career, like it's I've had my moments when I'm I'm personally hunting, but when you're when you're guiding, it's a little different story. It's like these people are paying big money. Like I hold myself to a very high like standard. high professional standard, and I probably want it more than my client does, right? Because for one, it's a win-win. Like the client gets an animal, and now I have a success under my belt, and it has sometimes clouded my judgment where like last year I totally made a big mistake on the very last day with my clients and I ruined their hunt for them, you know, as a a professional guide. And like, I got so down on myself because I was like, you can do better than this, Drea. Like you just messed up their hunt. You know, you, you could have done better. You could have gotten up on that bowl. You'd be packing out an elk right now. Right. I was so down on myself and I just, I started wailing, like not wailing, crying, but they're like, Drea, how are you doing? And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) trying not to. And they're like, it's okay. You know, that's not why we're here. We're not here. Like, obviously it would be icing on the cake, but like, we've seen beautiful country. We've been in the animals. 
you know, you have taught us so much. We've really enjoyed spending time with you and getting to know you and just connecting and being able, it was a father and son. It was really cool that they came out and, um, and it was like a moment for me of being like, that's right. Like the mountain humbled me that day, not my clients. And it has a way of doing that, right? It creeps up on you, mm-hmm. right? It's like, hey, mm-hmm. you're you're directing your focus elsewhere. It needs to be to me, <laughs> right? Yeah. And that's hard, right? Mm-hmm. Because and and there's there's a level of there's a level of fulfillment when you're, especially when it's someone that appreciates the whole experience, right? And you can be out there and and help them fill that tag, especially on on like a, a generational hunt like that with a father, a son, you know, grandpa sometime there. There is, that's huge wins in that book, right? But that yeah. mountain will remind you, like you need to pay attention to the right things. You know, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a trip because you can get lost in it, right? Because having the notch, right? Yeah. Like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, Six out of seven for this season on the guide on the guide license. Yeah. That's a big freaking deal, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so to to sort of back that up, I was before I kind of went that down that quick little rabbit hole with my clients. That the intuition that I have experienced now over seven years of guiding out there, and like knowing when your intuition is telling you, "Hey, you see that ridge there? Maybe that's the way to take," or like you know, that intuition of something of like, wait, maybe you should just like actually slow down. And it's like this voice that's in, and all hunters have it, but for some reason guiding, and I've been able to like really tap into it. Mm -hmm. I think because of that added pressure of trying to get animals for my clients, but that has been a really cool thing to be like, Oh yeah, I should listen to that. And then to see it play out. Yeah. That's huge. And mm -hmm. yeah, that Mm -hmm. because I mean, that kills, that'll kill your own hunt, right? Is second guessing where you should be mm-hmm. going. It's like, no, follow that gut. There's something, there's something yeah. primal about those little intuitions or hints that, you know, that we're given out mm-hmm. there. And sometimes it's not that intuition isn't necessarily when you're in pursuit of the animal. Right. Like there's a lot, of, a lot of times, you know, you like, I sometimes don't even use my onyx anymore because I, I feel like it almost takes away. And I, I, I like the challenge of being like, I, I know we have to go that way. So, you know, we're not going to get lost. And there's been a few times too, like hunting and it will be in the dark and you're like, Oh, I know we have to go like this way. And you'll be walking and I'll be like, "Mm, the trail splits like, or, you know, there's like this drainage or there's a ridge line or whatever it may be. And listening to that intuition of like, Oh, we're going that way. Okay. Yep. (laughs) And then, and then you show up at the truck and you're like, oh, that felt good yeah. to just like listen to that, that voice that's sort of just there all the time. Yeah. And then that, I mean, well, I don't know. It's, I don't know how that sounds. I pride myself into being able to not have to pull that daggum thing out unless I'm going to mark something like, yeah, that's where I'm going. I know pretty much how I'm going to get there and we figure it out along the way. Yeah. And it just seems to work. Right. And it's so, it's, it's kind of freeing, especially when you're bogged down with that daggum phone all the time anyway. Like, I don't want to deal with that, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, if I want to drop a pin or something, you know, hey, I come across something, pull it out, drop the pin, yeah. but I just want to roll, you know? And I, yeah. I feel like it, there, it almost handicaps us. There's just so much mm-hmm. use of, of, and I'm not like hating on technology, but there's so much use of it that it, it becomes a handicap. If that battery goes out, and that's mm-hmm. what you've relied on for the last three or four years. And you haven't bothered to look up and understand, like, how am I reading this terrain mentally? 
Like you can mm-hmm. put yourself in a way worse position than just enjoying the fact that I can get from point A to point B back to point B and A again, just yep. naturally. And it's not that, mm-hmm. I mean, at least for me, it's not that difficult to navigate just, and even, you know, calling bulls or looking at the ground, you walk, you know, half a mile, a mile or whatever, and then look up and okay, boom, I know where I'm at. You know, it's weird that, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I think we become too reliant on that stuff, but my opinion on that. Well, I do believe society in general is just so disconnected from that because I I've seen it with pretty much all of all of my clients and like in the summer this past summer I would do some like hiking tours and so we're just going out and we're hiking around and the same thing people would always be like how do you know where you're going like I would I would be lost people say that all the time like I would be lost if I was out here and it's like but if you actually like slow down and like pay attention to where you're going you know, I, I think you would be fine, mm-hmm. but a lot of people aren't like in tune with, with that, those senses. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So I was kind of, I pulled up the, the Ridge Patrol website. I mean, that is like price point wise, that's pretty freaking amazing. Yeah. Pretty freaking amazing. Yeah. You know, like I said, we're, we're new or small and all of the stuff that you are seeing on the website there, that is all USA made. And majority of those things are made with recycled materials. Oh, nice. And so, you you know, you have to have a price point where you're going to be able to make money back. But also, like, as a new company, we're like, we, you know, we've got to, we got to set the bar here. We can't be pricing Masidka right on this stuff. But, you know, everyone wants USA-made stuff, but no one really wants to pay the USA price. Right, That's just always what it comes down to. There's a fine line. It's, it's funny from, from mm-hmm. manufacturer to consumer what the discrepancy in thought is there, <laughs> right? It's crazy. It's like you're going to – but, I mean, honestly, even for made here, those prices are GD good. I mean, that is yeah. – that's phenomenal. That is really yeah, very, good. very happy very happy with our first round so i guess you technically could call that like our our first round of clothing it's like a spring fall line ideally so now we're moving more into the more tech gear so we have a ridge runner 2.0 pant which is 100% better than anything we've ever had in our pants with that we have a cloudburst rain jacket so it's just a simple shell that you can throw over your layers I wore it all rifle season because so I would just throw, you know, my layers and a puffy on and then just put that rain shell over. It would block the wind and it would almost insulate the the heat. Mm-hmm. And then we're working on a rain pan. So like moving forward, a little bit more tech gear, stuff made for some colder weather um, to be able to sort of like push the push your hunt a little bit further. And that, yeah, that Ridge Runner pant, I mean, that's, that's a good looking pant too. So you guys have it in mm-hmm. solid plus the camo pattern, huh? Yep. So I was talking about earlier, we have a lot of ladies who wear our clothes that are not hunters. So like, there's this lady, she wears our pants to cross-country ski. She loves them for her oh, cross-country wow. skiing. A lot of ladies who like to just get out and hike. And then, you know, like a lot of our stuff there isn't necessarily for hunting. Like our tank tops and our tech tops, that's really good for hiking, for yoga, for going to the gym for summer wear, for camping, sort of anything and all thing outdoor active women brand. So okay. I with the, yeah, the hunting is sort of what 
one thing that's like our what started us, right? And that's what we're always our main focus is gonna be, you know, hunting clothes, but we also want to provide clothing for the the outdoor woman. Right. Right. So and I mean, and honestly, that I mean that's a really good approach, right? Especially because it's if you're able to bridge that gap, so to speak, mm-hmm. because it's a hunting slash outdoor apparel brand, you can actually bring them into that fold, right? And offer them some exposure to that too. And then being, you know, being woman focused, that's awesome. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's really good. The patterns, you know, it's a nice pattern. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm very, very happy with that. So before we wrap, why don't you let folks know where they can find you, where they can find the book, Ridge Patrol, the whole nine, drop them, drop them with everything. All the info. Yeah. Okay. Ridge Patrol, Ridge Patrol is super easy. Social media, whether it's TikTok or actually our YouTube's pretty awesome. I only have a few videos up on there, but I actually did all of the videography on our YouTube. So we've got a ladies archery hunt that I've gotten a lot of really cool feedback from. So YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, that's just all Ridge Patrol. Our website, same thing, ridgepatrol.com. And I manage all of those things. So if you ever reach out, I'm going to be the one getting back to you. That is my part-time job, pretty much by about four to five hours a day if I want to like stay on top of everything. And then you can find my personal page if you would like. It's what's underscore your underscore wild. But either way, if you bump into my page or Rich Patrol's page, you're going to find me because I'm on both. And if any of any of you want to actually, so I don't know when you're, when are you dropping this episode? Uh, probably in the next week or so. Okay. So I just placed an order 50 books today. So I'm actually going to be doing some more signed copies. If any of you guys have listened to this and you want to give my, my book a read or it's a great gift for somebody, I'm going to be selling signed copies again, but I'll only have 50 of them. So there'll be limited inventory. Um, yeah. Let me Thank know. Yeah. I'll buy one. Mark, you cool. mark one for me. I, I'm, I'm Sounds good. super interested in reading it now. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. I appreciate the time. I had a great, great time talking with you. Hope we see at a couple of the Western Hunt Fest shoots. Need to get Ridge Patrol yeah. set up out there and start spreading the Absolutely. word to the ladies that are at the shoot and come, come put those rucks to test in the pack out challenge. Yeah. <laughs> I literally have been thinking about it every day ever since. <laughs> We had the chat, what was that last week yeah. or something? Every day I'm like, I got to get to the gym. I need to sign up for this course. I was waiting because I was hoping I was going to win the the the, uh, the giveaway, but I didn't. So I need to get myself signed up for yeah. one of the ones in get, Colorado. Get yeah. signed up and either, you know, drop it because it's Jeff and I that run the Instagram. So just drop us a line over there. I'll, I'll We'll kick you a code. Yeah. Just let us know what event you want to get to. And we'd love to have you come and speak and talk about the book and you know, just informing the ladies out there because we're really, mm-hmm. we're really, really wanting to up that at every single event and, and make it a place where women can come enjoy, right. And learn and not feel the pressure of, you know, just going to the 3d range and, you know, having 20 bros flinging arrows to yeah. you guys. So we're really wanting to yeah. go that side of the event. So. And, and from, from a, from a woman, thank you for providing you know, providing that space. That's, um, that's really awesome. I hope you guys have a good turnout there. I'll see you guys there. Let's chat some more on, on some of that stuff. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me.